on Sky Sports Radio. Time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really study to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Yeah, good morning and welcome to a special Tuesday edition of Punters Postmortem on this 3rd of October and what a weekend it was, not only for all of our sport codes, but a great weekend of racing. It started on Friday night, of course, at the Valley. We rolled up to Ramwick on Saturday and we also had a little feature there on Sunday at Sandown. So lots of horses rolling around this weekend, plus as well this morning, We've seen some really interesting horses go around at trials and whatnot. So uh, a lot happening in the world of racing. And now the football is over. It really does become the showpiece, doesn't it? So for the next couple of weeks, if you haven't already strapped yourself in, enjoy because uh, it is going to be one hell of a spring. Good lineup today. We've got Ron Duffersey, as always, who's cast his eye over the New South Wales meetings for us. Chris Roots is joining us from the Sydney Morning Herald. He'll have the latest in racing news. And a special guest today, Mark Hunter, is joining us. Usually we'd have David Gately on a Monday program. Gator, unfortunately, couldn't be with us. So we've got Mark, and no doubt a lot of our listeners will be keen to hear his analysis of the uh, the weekend and what's been happening, and also a bit of a look ahead too, because we've got, as I said, that good racing up and coming. I'll say good morning to Ron Duffersey first off. It's been an arduous campaign. It always is the October long weekend, but casting our mind back to Saturday at Ramwick, we had some great performances and like it was uh, when we saw on the papers on Sunday, it was girl power, mate. Of course, Kathy O'Hara and Rachel King winning the two big features. Yeah, they really uh, seized their opportunities there on the lightweights there in Redina and Just Fine and uh, didn't make a mistake. They're two very, very good jockeys. So it's um, and I'll probably the old saying, they don't get the opportunities they deserve. But if uh, you get into these big handicaps, they really go to and uh, pick up good rides and we saw what they could do on Saturday. So a good, obviously, Epsom Day, a, a really good day's racing and um, some really nice horses amongst them, obviously. In our Melbourne studio, we've got uh, Mark Hunter joining us. Mark, good morning to you, mate. Obviously, from a Victorian point of view, uh, the real showpiece, I think, was Friday night. Uh, obviously, Imperatriz was scintillating again there at the Valley. Yeah, morning, Dave. Morning, everyone. Yeah, we had um, lucky enough to see Amelia's Jewel have a spin round and... Pretty much tore with the opposition, but that was um, that was even better. Half an hour later, with Imperatrice just blowing them away in the sprint. The, the track was on fire there too on Friday, wasn't it? It was. Look, we had a real. There's not much you could do. He, he put water on in the morning, Marty, but we had a real dry day and a windy day, and it just got firmer and firmer as the night got on. They, they ran super times, obviously breaking track records. They certainly did, and we'll talk about her performance and also Amelia's duel. And from a news perspective, I'll say good morning to Chris Roots from the Sydney Morning Herald. Obviously, we're going to touch on these races from over the weekend, Chris, but what about uh, just some of the, the bits and pieces that have come from the weekend that need to be highlighted? I think Amelia's still where we start. It's going to the Turek. Um, they've made the announcement, so anyone uh, that sort of gives people a bit of clarity around the King Charles um Probably an easy an easy decision when you look at that, look at where where it's going to be in the handicap and things like that there and it gets to stay in Melbourne and we'll get we'll hopefully get to see it in Sydney in the Golden Eagle. Um, if you were to go up and step up against the best horses in the country, that's what you'd be doing in the uh, in the King Charles. Maybe another run and they can do that in the Cox Plate if they want to go that way. So be interesting. The weight's interesting with it though. With, um, it didn't get a penalty for... It didn't get a rating point for the weekend for breaking a track record. The other two horses that broke a track record both got given points um, in by the Racing Victoria Handicapper in Peritrees and Just Fine. Just Fine got half a kilo in the Melbourne Cup, so that puts it number 30. So she he should get a start. He saved. I I, I thought 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 he might not, but he was, he was brilliant on the weekend. Rachel King, what a great ride. She gets... She just had him under, under, under in the right rhythm all the way, and then he had to work to beat um, Spirit Ridge, but he got he got the job done, and he's a really nice horse. We might be seeing him in much better races outside the handicap from now on in. Okay, so Amelia, we heard that news uh, what yesterday I think it was yesterday or Sunday that Amelia's Jewel is definitely going to go to the Turak handicap, where she is a dollar ninety and favourite there in that pre-noms market. And Tino, who we also saw yesterday 
at Sandown as a 4.50 second favourite and then amenable attrition here to shock Democracy Manifest. Speaking of Democracy Manifest, let's talk about the Epsom Duff. Um, obviously, uh, Red Near gets it on the line. I've got to talk through my pocket here. I was on Golden Mile and I thought I was home. Just We just got that soften up by Nugget down the, the turn there and he just sort of had to go a little bit early, didn't he, on Golden Mile? Yeah, everything was sweet until then. You thought, well, everyone read, no one read the play bar Shin. Um, everyone had their speed maps. They knew there was some very hesitant leaders in the race, a couple that would have you know, loved the sit, but um, the outside barrier turned to gold to him. He just took his time. But if there was a mistake, I reckon he didn't quicken up early enough because Nugget just bolted round the field there and, and just, just softened him up. He would have won without that. I'm, I'm convinced of that, um, the way that race was run. But Redina, Johnny on the spot, he just keeps jumping the bar. You just look at his record, his last two preparations, and with no fanfare, he's getting the job done. So he's a beauty. Uh, Kovalika, well, he is ready now. There's a, I don't know what the race is for him. It might be the Cox Plate. It might be... Um, yeah, who knows? Everything's on the table with him because he's still got improvement to come. We spoke about Bar Gold Mile. Barbie's Fox, he's just very brave there. A democracy manifest. You could make a little case he was unlucky. Um, he, we just, he was just ready to hit top gear uh, when he ran under the heels of Gold Mile there. I know it was close to home, but he was really going to dash that horse. You could, you know, you could make excuses for everything there because of the pattern of the race or the shape of the race. I thought my, my Oberon was outstanding and the ev- inevitable just, well, he run in, into trouble galore in that race and, and he should have also, he went home with a, a fair few excuses as well. But a, a messy little race because of the tempo and um, where horses just didn't fit in. Mark, I know that you were watching uh, the Epsom, mate. How did you feel it, uh, um, you know, panned out, mate? Well, I think the two that Ronnie touched on, Kovalika and the Cox play, that was just an outstanding run. I think, you know, it's just the perfect next step, I would imagine, stepping up to 2,000 metres would be the beautiful race for Kovalika. And gee whiz, the inevitable. If that, you don't see much more bad luck come upon a horse in one race. It was outstanding. I, I was sort of a bit surprised the inevitable could do what it did, given how much bad luck it had in the run. Chris, what news came out of the Epsom? Um, so coming out of it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Kovalika. It's sort of almost like a Winx campaign as a four-year-old um, yeah, it went um, Epson into a Cox Plate and started very short and, and ended up starting favourite. And we know what went on after that. Like, that was the first of the, the magical four. Um, spoke to Tyler Schiller after the race. He was he was on Democracy Manifest. He, he he aimed up for a run on the inside and was only up for a run between Redina and and Golden Mile. And as as he got there, he, he thought Redina wasn't going that well. Cassie turned around the whip on Redina and it spurred it and... The, that just left him with nowhere to go. It was very good. Uh, ran fifth, probably with um, a touch of luck. I think it probably wins um, if it gets that run. The inevitable now goes to uh, the, that Stephen Hewlett just put on Twitter that it's going to the Turak, so that'll that'll add a bit more depth to the Turak. And um, I think the biggest thing that come out of the race, we've talked how the race has changed. We've had a, a handicapper beat two classic winners, so we've had a... Co- a Caulfield Giddings winner and a Derby winner run second and third. That just points to the the race being very good on a on a front of future ratings. Let's talk about uh, the Metropolitan then. Duff obviously just fine. Uh, got the job done. Uh, was heavily backed. One of the heaviest backed horses on the on the card anywhere. And for that fact, uh, probably over the weekend from the way in which the the Tab team were talking. Spirit Ridge though, geez, he gives up a good fight. This horse, mate. Unbelievable uh, to do what he did, setting up a course record time. And on a day where they, they weren't smashing the clock all day, admittedly it might have got a little bit harder late there, but for him to break a 13-year-old track record uh, was amazing. And for Spirit Ridge to set up that time was an even bigger feather in his cap. Look, I, I love this horse, and everyone does, obviously. I think the pros must have had him marked so, so short. He just, as that last horse went in the barrier, the to- all totes went from a dollar yeah. ninety to a dollar sixty. They crashed. And, uh, boy, oh, boy, it was a bit hairy for the last 200 metres. I see he's second favourite for a Melbourne Cup. Jeez, I, he's a good horse, but he's not might and power. Um, and then little doubts on, you know, two mile. You know, you'd have to gamble against that fact, but... 
I'm never going to argue with Gay because she'll come up you with the finger and uh, make a make you f- <laughs> make a mug of you. Uh, but he is a very good horse um, to do what he's done, running those fast times in three starts. So, what can you say? They demoralised the rest. It was just a, a, a well, you know one and a half act affair. And obviously, too, we are dealing with good weather conditions at the moment. But that Spirit Ridge has done, in these last two runs, they've run record times. Obviously, Newcastle Cup was a record that day where Military Mission beat him on the post. Uh, they ran, what, 122.40. Uh, that was for the 2,300. And then they went uh, 226.11 there uh, on Saturday in the Metropolitan. He's pretty good, Mark, isn't he? He is. You just look through the beaten brigade there and you wonder, you know, with Ho-Ho Khan and those type of horses being not that far behind, or not, you know, seven lengths behind, but in the race, you you wonder about the strength of Spirit Ridge and, and co going forward. But all you can do is win. Uh, Just Fine's got a great racing style. It's going to get him with no weight. And you would think the 3200 is going to be a major stretch, but uh, who's the bad day? Chris, what about the news to come out of the Metro? Well, Rachel King um, bravely raised the idea that the horse might not stay with Gay in the morning, and um, Gay gave an answer to the question, where did this horse come from? And she said, England. Uh, uh, the answer came England, and she said, that's where it will stay. You don't worry, you just ride it, and it'll be. <laughs> and, uh, mm. She was right. Um, great job by Adrian Bott, too. Two, two group one winners there on the weekend. He, uh, him and Gay are having a season to save uh, like... Who would have thought Chris Waller wouldn't be leading the Premiership after two two months of the season? That's that he's dominated it for so long, and and that's how good a vein of form Tullock Lodge are in at the moment. Their their horses are going enormous. They're they're winning at a, a high rate, and um, this horse just might be one that just continues to jump up and grade. I, I don't think I'll ever say it won't stay again. So you guys, you can question me at 3200 in the Melbourne Cup. I'll be backing it. The the obviously the Caulfield Cup market has a, a Sulcum and without a fight both at six dollars and favourites and if you are looking at obviously betting uh, in that uh, Melbourne Cup what is it five dollars uh, Vorbam um, which is obviously the Irish horse and then just fine eight dollars obviously a lot of water to roll on that bridge when it comes to uh, futures betting but that's the effect that the metropolitan performances have let's talk about um the moya on uh, friday night uh, because there's already a couple of texts here about it um hey guys can you ask mark his genuine thoughts on imperatrice yes she was impressive but is she just beating up uh is she just beating up 1000 meter horses here are they our best it's a fair point but obviously the clock tells a a big thing and she has improved again on the clock hasn't she mark oh, i think she's improved out of sight this campaign, like I, I would have had her considerably, you know, comfortably below a horse like Giga Kick last campaign, but I know Giga Kick had those excuses first up, but she's just come back super. You've seen those four Uncommon James up there in the galaxy, and they're good horses. She's absolutely toying with them. She's just coming off their back and just whizzing past them. As four had every chance, and she made that horse look stupid, so I don't think she's just beating up on bad horses. I think she's taken the next step, and I know they've got reservations about going your way of going with her. She goes as good, um, travelling her and whatnot. But, gee whiz, I think she'd be awfully beat, awfully hard to beat in your race up there. Yeah, the uh, the Everest where she is, what, uh, second favourite. Interesting, Duff, and I said this to the Big Sports Breakfast team. Uh, $4 favourite is Think About It, and we'll talk about his premiere run in a second. Then I Wish I Win, who's been out of sight, out of mind. He's at four fifty, just ticking over there for Peter Moody. Then Imperatrez at uh, four fifty. so... Uh, she's equal second favourite, and then you've got Private Eye, Buenos Noches, Cylinder, uh, and obviously we had Hawaii Five O locked in after its performance on the weekend. But there was a lot of money for this mare yesterday. We're taking a lot of money for Imperatrice, uh, and it's not just soft money. Like There's genuine people out there that have an idea that want to back Imperatrice, which I find interesting. So whether they're just taking the punt that, well, if she does start, she might not be 450, or it's a money back if she doesn't get picked, or there is a genuine rumour that she will be starting because we saw the same thing happen, obviously, uh, earlier on in the campaign when we knew that Giga Kick was coming out. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of money before Giga Kick came out for certain horses because they knew the market would change. Uh, yeah, look, I, I just think it's um, a case of having a, throw, a free throw at the stumps as far as the 450 or whatever she was before that to say, well, if she does get picked, there's going to be a three in front of a name at least. 
Um, so uh, it's just a classic case of maybe making a book for a few of the players that play these markets, which is not a bad market to play if you fiddle around when you know you're going to get your money back if you don't get a slot. So, um, yeah, we'll find out. I think the only hope of the side there would be Yulong. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe they could buy her uh, for $20 million or something. So I... I think that's the only hope of the side with her. They, you know, obviously they hold her in high regard, they rate her highly, and it's hard to get a deal done with the percentage that they want. Uh, do you think that she will be in the race, Chris? Um, it'll come down. I think that's right there. Yulong's the would be the slot she'd be available available for. Like the, I think Coolmore after Shinzo this morning running third in that trial. I think. He, he's, he'd be locked into Cornwall's, which means Chris Waller and Yulong. And I don't think Chris Waller wants to do the deal that Tiako want to do. So it comes down to, as, as with all these all these Everest slots, it's not just getting the best horse in the race. It's getting the best deal for the slot holder. And you've got to remember, they've put up $700,000. They should have a fair say in what, what percentage of the prize money they get and things like that. And... Uh, at the moment, Yule, uh, Sam Ferrier from New Orleans overseas. He's uh, they're they're over in Europe looking looking at horses and things like that. I um I I heard from him yesterday. He said they haven't made a decision yet, but Adrian Bott is very keen to send alcohol free there. So um, it'll just come down to whether they're happy to send their ten million dollar mare there, or they they want to get another horse. And if the if there is another horse, it will be in Paris. I feel. Well, that's interesting because in the Premier Stakes, obviously, we had Think About It very good. He is just a phenomenal horse, Duff. He just just has this will to win. Um, obviously, had uh, Nash bearing down his throat there with Hawaii 5-0. And then Bill and Apatia are alcohol-free. What did you make of the Premier? Well, he's just a, a unique horse who does... He's, he's, you know, there's nothing flash about him. He just goes about his job. He comes in the yard. He prances around there. Um, and then... He just he just gets it done, and he he's got improvement to come. Never wins by a big margin, and just keeps slipping the system. You know, he's um, when you look at his record now, you know Stradbrokes and whatever. Um, yeah, he's, he's impossible to knock. You know, you, you try and work him out, and thinking well, he's got to improve again, and he does, and he'll have to improve again to win an Everest, and he probably will. Um, so this. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, a funny race, this uh, Tab Everest, as far as tempo. Um, we've got a solo leader at the moment, Overpass. And where's the chasers? Maybe the three-year-old cylinder. And then what happens? Um, we've got a... Well, he showed a little bit of adaptability there on Saturday. Think about it. Um, there's a lot of back markers there. And... Uh, that's uh, and how the track plays on the day. That'll all have to come into the equation. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's a wide open race. Mark, what did you make of the premiere uh, and watching it at home? Yeah, look, I I remember looking at him his uh, last campaign. Think about it and thinking he would have to take another step to measure up to the likes. You know, I wish I win and Giga Kick and Co in the Everest. But as Duff said, he just keeps getting better and getting the job done. The win again on the weekend was probably nothing spectacular, but only being first up, you think it's going to take a lot of improvement out of it. Hawaii 5-0 was enormous, trying to chase it down. And Bowen Patina, she will go a heap, heap better if ever we get rain. So uh, yeah. she's she's flying. She needs a soft track to be competitive. I wouldn't think alcohol-free could measure up to, the, to those other horses. No, that's interesting no. that they're, they're keen to... Obviously, races, obviously, they have the slot, but that's keen that... Um, interesting that Adrian's like, no, I think she should run. Chris, uh, in relation... She, just back on alcohol-free, yeah. I think she's flying, but they're trying to make a sprinter out of a miler. You know, that, that, I reckon that invitation would be a beautiful race for her, but maybe they can hold her back and run her in the Everest first. But I think she's running for, you know, third to seventh prize money. Uh, what about, Chris, the news? Obviously, we saw... What, was it a couple of hours before the race that um, Marzu was a late scratching? He trialled this morning yeah, quite well. He, he trialled this morning. He had a really good standout from Tommy Berry. I spoke to Paul Snowden this morning. Everything was what they thought it was. He just got cast in the box. He got down in his box, hurt his back, just put his back out. And you know about that, Dave. And once you get a chiropractor to straighten you up, you, you come good pretty quick. He's come, he come good um, quick enough to run into trial today. And... Uh, 
they've done it before the Snowdens that happened to Red Zell. They, I know Paul was actually looking, they've got a camera in that box and they, he spent three hours on Saturday trying to find out where he went down and what he did just to make sure that he didn't knock anything else or things like that. He's fine now. Um, Hawaii Five O, of course, got a slot out of it. I thought he, I thought with about 50 metres to go, he had the had the winner cold, and um, just shows you what what the winner is. He floated a little bit, I think, in front. He, he was just waiting for the next change. I thought the Sam Clifford enough for the race, and he made the point. He did that in fourth gear. He said there's still gears there to go, and I've never really, I don't think I've really tapped his top gear yet. So. If he's got um, another couple of years off his sleeve, geez, he's going to be hard to beat in the Everest. Joe Pride now won both the Everest lead-ups. What a brilliant training performance. I, don't, I think that's that's one of the best training performances you'll see from a, tra- a trainer. He, he's had the two horses he had to have right, ready on the day, ready enough on the day is probably a better way of putting it, that they have improvement and they go into the biggest race of the year um, and they're going to be right at the top of the market, probably two out of the top three with proven Uh Yeah, they were at 108.7 for the 1,200 in that last 600 in 33.60. So uh, Hawaii Five-O obviously gets his spot too, Chris. Yeah, he's in, he's in for Aquas, isn't he? And, it, and um, we see James McDonald's picked up the ride there. He was always going to pick up one that had a bit of weight. And, uh, he had the weight, but he's on, he's on, on the... Um, on the John Singleton, Jerry Harvey horse, and I dare say Luke McDonald, his brother, will be asking for a pretty good Christmas present if he wins the Everest. Hundred percent, yeah. With the ride, then obviously a um, he was a he was a very good run, wasn't he, Duff? Oh yeah, he's a good horse. Now, whether they can keep him sharp enough for twelve hundred, or um, he's more the Golden Eagle type, I don't know. But he's um, he's good horse. And he's come back even better, and he's pretty well tied to the hip, really, uh, to a certain extent. We think about it from the uh, Stradbroke, um, and uh, yeah, he's a definite. If the race is run to suit him, he's a definite chance. All right, let's he could go. go forward. It does. He could go forward in the end. Uh, you're right. No, you're he right. Probably... I couldn't agree more. No, he could go forward. He's one I missed as far as the tempo is concerned. What about I'm it? really surprised where he got to on the weekend and the way he finished off. He, he just just added another string to his bow, especially at 1,200 metres. Yeah, although he has done that before, though, Chris, and he seems to have attacked the line. Um, do you reckon he's a bit of chaser or leader? I think he's, he's a horse that can just sit off the... If there's a good speed, just sit off it and then uh, come at the right time, challenge at the right time. I think when he when he's led, he's always... Nash made a point about him that he's a, a horse to me last week. He said he's a horse that doesn't have a real big change of foot, but he just keeps building, building, building on a high tempo. So they're the sort of horses Gay Waterhouse has always got the best out of, and I think that he's right. He's he's probably in the mix there. They're, they're, as Duff said with well, three, it's maybe third to sixth, I reckon. He's right in the mix to run a place, or, and, and maybe they're the surprise result in the Everest. Uh, what about when it comes to uh, back to Melbourne, Amelia's Jewel? We touched on her at the start, Mark. Obviously, this was Friday night, the stock stakes, and we're getting some texts about her, uh, her performance. We speak about, you know, being um, in certain positions in the run. Obviously, Frosty decided to put her up outside the speed there, and as Simon Miller said after race, well, that was something different for her, and um, he just ran like the best thing in the race. The race worked out really strangely. If you, if you did a speed map there at all, the inside five or six gates looked to have more speed than her, and the last place we would have seen her was up outside the lead, but we had, to my knowledge, a bit tardy away, just showed no interest in pushing forward. Pride of Jenny, the eventual leader, it missed the kick and then still had time to get through and lead. And a horse like Papillon Club, who I would assume would be sent forward by Craig Williams, missed the start two lengths. So the race did completely turn around after 200 metres. She got into a beautiful spot with Pride of Jenny, Leading, she virtually just dictated the race from second. They put the foot down from the 500. The back markers had no chance whatsoever. It was a really arrogant ride. I thought she had prior to Jenny covered a long way out, and it was just the perfect ride again by Delaney. He summed the situation up, but the race worked out beautifully for her. She was never going to lose. Jeez, it was a good ride. And, you know, he could have got a. He was on a kicking to nothing going forward there, uh, but he just read the play and put her in that position that she's it's foreign to her, but it was the right thing to do and a winning move. Chris, I'm no handicapper, but is it, nor- is it normal? You know, she was 111 going in. She breaks track record in a group two and gets no ratings points. Is that, can, is that well, normal? Well, I'm no handicapper either, but 
would you would you think that um, two other horses broke track records on the weekend and and were given were given a, a um, point in the in the benchmark? So does that answer the question? What why didn't the third horse that broke a track record and did it? I would I would say was the most convincing of the three in doing it, um, and it doesn't get a point. It's one of those ones that you just look at it and just shake your head and go, well. Uh, She's going to be well in in a handicap next start, isn't she? Well, each to their own. Mm. Um, and that's it. Just just on handicapping uh, for, and I know you've boasted you're not handicappers, but Chris, obviously that's the jurist. Is that a jurisdiction's uh, decision? So obviously, yeah, yeah. It always gets a benchmark out of every race. So as as, as people know, you see them go up in the bench. As you win, you go up in the benchmark. So. Um, just simple thing is, you know, usually you get a few points every time. Five right. Points. I think so, in Sydney it's about five points for a win, and you sort of go up and you get up to a point. So, okay. so that we've got competitive races. So just, 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 just a question. Um, so let's say, and it's not the case. Let's say if on that particular Turak day we had the Turak handicap, and we also had a similar Group One in Sydney, uh, and the it was exactly the same in terms of weights and measures. Does the Sydney handicapper have to go off the Melbourne handicapper, or does the Sydney handicapper does he have to then make his own assumption and give his own weight? Like, I'm just trying to get a, an, an idea because there's a couple of texts from the listeners sort of saying, "Well, if that's what the decision's been made in Melbourne is what she would get in terms of a rating." Does that mean the Sydney handicapper, if she ever came up here for a race, not that she will or she is, but I'm just trying to, to grasp how uh, national this approach is. Type of thing. So, so every state has its own benchmark system, own own numbers for horses. So, you can get um, difference in, in in ratings for horses. So, quite often when they bring over horses from Europe and things like that, they might get three or four points difference in Sydney and Melbourne, and that often decides where they first start. So, um, but this is using an example that's not relevant to Amelia Stuhl because she's not from international but she would be given a number in Sydney and they wouldn't have done one for her yet because she's not nominated for anything here but they'd have an idea of where she sits there's an international number which is uh, compared to all the other horses in the world but she gets a number in Melbourne the number has been 111 when she arrived she's won two group twos and she's still at 111 um, you're right with the with the benchmark system, I've heard a lot of trainers in the past with a lot of these, you know, young younger imports coming in that have only won a maiden or so. They say, "Oh, we like to start them off in Melbourne because they get a couple of points less uh, through their system rather than our system." We seem to overrate them early, so uh, obviously there's a big di- there's differences in the handicapping theories. Mm, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and there's not a, there's not a handicap for her to run in in Sydney, so. She was going to have to run against the best horses in the country. She's going to have to run into Mr. Brightside, who's in absolutely outstanding form. So, you know, she goes there, she has to carry weight, but she's not going to run into the quality of field, is she? I loved what you tweeted, uh, Simon Miller, on the weekend, uh, Duff. I thought it was um, a very apt uh, when he was sort of, you know, putting out there, you know, which way should I go, what should I do? And you said, uh, if ever there's a time you needed the calming of Dean Lester... <laughs> to uh, to have a discussion with him, and well, I pose so close. And I, I was so close. I pose this question to to Duff and to you also, Mark. I might come to you here. I mean, you knew Dean very very well. What do you reckon Dean would have been saying to Simon? Turak into a cox plate, mate. Don't be silly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you met Simon. Simon said he was busy drinking cans on the lawn at Mooney Valley. So <laughs> I that's, know. Uh, that sums up his approach to life. Um, uh, look, he. I had a good chat to Simon the other week. We were sitting at a luncheon at a pub and we spoke about Dean for most of the day. He was just so close to him and still just called on him for everything. So Dean would have put all the logic to Simon and who knows what Simon would have done. Yeah, very interesting. I know what he would have done. He would have listened to him. That's what he would have done. He certainly would have. So uh, And no doubt if he does win with this horse, some big races, uh, especially Cox Plates, Turex, etc. Or if he does come up here for a Golden Eagle, I'm sure there'll be a bit of emotion in Simon as well with what happened because he was so close uh, to Dean. We might take a quick break. It's 9.34. On the other... Take your calls on 13.53.53. The excitement really starting to build. Oh, this crowd is revved up. The Tab Everest. Everest. To the big roar of the crowd. Wish I win down the outside. I wish I win. Went past Giga Kick Marzu. A spectacular TJ win. I wish I win. 
trainer, Peter Moody. I've had the favourite in the Melbourne Cup and I didn't get nervous, but to have one of the ruling favourites heading into a $20 million race, well, that's a different ball game, isn't it? But he's pretty bloody handy and I'm enjoying the ride at the moment. I wish I win's ability to sustain a long sprint has enabled him to win the Golden Eagle, enabled him to run down Giga Kick, and Peter Moody has trained him specifically to produce his great asset, that sustained finishing speed in the Everest. Fan goal goes to I wish I win, who kicked and won. I wish I win just from Fangirl and Gypsy Goddess and a great finish. Hear the latest news and form on the Tab Everest, October 14 on Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab. On Sky Sports Radio, the traffic report. Drive away in the award-winning BYD all-electric SUV. How much are you paying for petrol right now? Head to Alexandria and see the new BYD megastore today. Bella Vista, we still have a steady flow of traffic on the M7 onto the M2. Also from the Domain, eastern strip of the main tunnel going southbound to Moore Park. And Brisbane Forest Lake, a breakdown, Logan Motorway westbound. At Bing Lee, get a bonus Woolworths e-gift card up to $400 on select kitchen appliances. Shop in store or online at bingley.com.au. Bingley, better living every day. I'm Ian Wallace. That's traffic on Sky Sports Radio. The Tab Everest, the world's richest race on turf. $20 million. Royal Randwick, October 14. The Tab Everest. Will you be watching? This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. It's 9.36 on Sky Sports Radio. Uh, we're taking your calls on 13.53.53 and also your texts on 0419767272. Ron Doversy, Chris Roots and Mark Hunter are our panel today. And lots of texts coming in here. Mark, uh, there's a couple of texts about uh, the Valley uh, to kickstart. Uh, your thoughts on this far-flung which won the first on the Valley on uh, Friday night. Uh, Mark, what did you think of the winner of the first of the Valley? Thought it went very well uh, for Blake Shin. Fast one's going okay. That was a pretty basic race. Um, you know, the Marg factor's been around a while, building around, and Boogney's come across from Adelaide with okay form, but it wasn't a spectacular race. It did a good job to come from the back. Blake Shin's absolutely flying, so benchmark 70, it would have to take us. We'd have to take a step up, but I'm sure uh, has come back from a spell in good form. We'll, we'll keep it the benchmark racing for now, though. All right, Tan, there's another text here saying, uh, Hi, guys. Not sure if you uh, started your weekend like I did. I backed Sandpaper on Friday night. Thought it was a train wreck. Race three at the Valley. I did see this race, Mark, and it just didn't pan out for Jamie Carr. No, there's a few of them there. Um, Sandpaper just had a jog around behind him, never got clear. Your other horse... At Maytai, it didn't have much luck either back inside them. And, and a horse called Maritana, who was back in the pack, absolutely nowhere to go and chugging to the line. Whereas, again, Bishin just picked the gaps on Randing and poked through. Sandpaper hasn't had much luck in Melbourne. It got, um, got Buicked over the carnival and it didn't have much luck again Friday night. <laughs> um, what about <laughs> up in uh, Sydney? Uh, Duff, these two-year-old races, which we saw, of course, the gym crack and the breeders. What did you make of... Uh, well, firstly, obviously, we saw the story with uh, Tommy Berry and Manal and a bit of emotion from Tommy after the race, but it was a good performance. It was. Third horse should have bolted in, uh, repose. It uh, got found that early trouble and then threw it away, running off the track late. But to tell you the truth... I was pretty excited thinking there were some lovely horses amongst them. I was just a little flat with the two-year-olds this year. Uh, they didn't run time, relatively bunch finishes. So stay tuned. I think there's room for more there, although the Spruik horse did pull up with a, some problem there, Scampy, but um, he was very flat down the straight there. So a couple of little upsets, although they, were, they both had specking at good odds, the winners, but, um, yeah, only time will tell. I, I, I don't want to get too excited about these two-year-olds yet, where usually the gym crack and the breeders, you can just guarantee it's going to be something's going to come out of these races and, and continue to, to do something through their careers. So it's a bit early to tell yet. Any news to come out of these races, Chris? No, I'm not really there, Dave. I have to say with Duff, you get, usually if you look back, Jim Crack and um, Breeders by horses are usually the most natural and natural horses that you get. So they've, they've stood up to a, a campaign to get there and they usually go on and do something. But 
yeah, they left me a bit flat. I, usually you'd go away thinking, geez, I can't wait to see that horse again. There wasn't sort of one there that I sort of would take away and say, geez, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it going towards the Golden Disc or races like that, and even that Golden Slipper. It was just, they were just, they were just, um, they just didn't, didn't catch their imagination like they usually do. Uh, the Dulcified Duff, um, a couple of texts here. Can you ask stuff about Tom Kitten, what he thought? And also uh, some of the Beaten Brigade. Um, this punter was on Ravello and also Kintyre. Yep. Um, he's an underrated horse, the winner. That was no fluke. He's a good, tough on pacer, uh, uh, and he's bred to stay. So he, he was very good there. And like I said, he won his first start, and he was just took him a while to mature up a bit. I've always been a fan, but just dropped off him. Um, unfortunately, but I could easily jump back on board him. I thought Pushy was great. And look, another funny race where when they quickened, the, the, the horses out the back, back lost contact with this field. So although beaten it as a short price favourite, I thought there was little excuses for Tom Kitten and Raffatak was good. He'll be toughened up by that run. And I think Ravello could be a derby horse. He he just come. He was back a furlong from them and just made good ground there late. So he's a stayer that we should keep an eye on. Any comment on the dulcify, Mark? No, good judge up in Sydney told me Ravello might be a derby horse, so I had an eye on it. And halfway through the race, I uh, said to the bloke <laughs> I was watching it with, I said, "This horse, this if this runs sixth, it's a decent run." And it ran exactly sixth. Probably would have liked to send a charge through the line, but we yeah. we haven't dropped off it yet, Ronnie. No, no, not yet. The flight stakes, uh, Tropical Squall. What about Hippo, mate? Um, he obviously gets another Group 1. And quite raw from Adam as well. After the race, Duff, we know he's had his troubles. Uh, he spent some time out of the saddle and even said to um, to the guys after the race on Sky Thoroughbred Central, he probably thought he'd never ride again. But um, he had a conversation with Gay about what he wanted to achieve and what he wanted to do. And they obviously uh, agreed. And uh, he's getting these good opportunities for the stable. Well, he's been handed a big lifetime by that informed stable and he seized it with uh, dedication. He's a heavy boy. He was a heavy boy and I don't think he'd ridden lighter. So you've got to give it to him and he can ride. He's a really good rider, Adam. So He's got some he, good blood in his veins. In my word. my word, he's got some good blood in his veins. So, yep, he's... Um, yeah, she's a good filly, I think. She uh, just... Staying at the 1,400 in the T-Rose was probably against her and up to the mile with her pedigree, she can continue on to Melbourne and if she holds this form, um, she's certainly uh, one to keep a, a very, very close eye on, even though everyone knows about her now. Kamochi was so brave again. Trittle Vita, yep, another one. She is a, a real staying prospect, I think, and oh, gee, I, was, oh, I was on... Molly Nickers, it was just an ugly watch. That, that, she's so dumb, that filly. And she just didn't want to take advantage of that barrier one and uh, just run a race in patches, but charged the line. And being 1,200 or a mile, I thought she'd be able to keep up a little bit. But uh, she's loaded with talent, but might be more of an autumn filly. Uh, obviously, from a Melbourne perspective, we have Molly Nickers going around uh, Mark, but uh, the winner was very good in the flight stakes. Yeah, the winner was terrific. I was surprised how far back Molly Nickers got. Um, you know, you, you could certainly argue it should have won the race. And whilst I'm not really familiar with these two horses, I thought Private Legacy and Miss Jolene showed something for further and a bit easier. I don't know what that race is up there, but I thought they would hopeless through the line. Yeah, I think uh, I've had my eye on Private Legacy. I'm thinking she might be an Oaks filly in Melbourne, but she's had a lot of racing and she goes to the paddock now and will concentrate on the Oaks in the autumn, so Greg says. And Miss Jolene is a Queenslander, um, which is uh, by Russian Revolution, who came through the T-Rose. And uh, we obviously saw up there in a size and a JJ, etc. So a nice horse for Kelly Sweeter at Eagle Farm. Uh, any news to get uh, out of the flight stakes, Chris, before we get to our first caller? I think the, I think the big, biggest thing out of the flight stakes was the Adam Marana story. I, I know we concentrated on Rachel and Kathy both winning Group 1s there on the weekend, but this is a real redemption story for Adam. He... He, um, he's had so much to do with this filly, and he was the reason it stayed in Sydney. Talking to, talking to Adrian Bott after the race, he said, Adam just said he fell in love with the horse from the time he started riding it, and then they were going to send it to Melbourne before the T-Rose after it won it um, the Kento, on the Kento track, and Adam said, no, you should be, you should be keeping it here and it'll win the flight. And that's why uh, they had a change of heart. It just shows you what a key role he plays at Pallet Lodge, um, he knows 
Gay's horses so well, Gay and Asian's horses so well. And the way he rode that, if it was rinse and repeat, and you've seen it so many times over the Randwick Mile with horses from that stable, they get in front and then they go, uh, they can kick again, kick again off a good speed. And you, I, I was on Tomochi, the second horse, and you just knew at the 300 that you were going to get within three quarters of a length or half a length, but you weren't going to beat it. And I don't think anything was going to beat, beat it. It was just a perfect ride, and well done to Adam. Macca's on the line. Good morning, Macca. G'day, guys. How are you going? Good, mate. Uh, two things. Um, I think the first thing regarding Amelia's Jewel and Imperatrice not going to Sydney, I think that um, that's a very smart idea. I, I remember Arcadia Queen. Remember how they went to the Everest and the Golden Eagle and you look back at it and even the, the guy that owned it, he was like, I made a terrible error of judgment with that. I think they're all starting to think, because these guys aren't struggling for money, but I own those two horses. They, they're probably thinking, you know what, we've got to be a bit smart here. We think it's not going to suit the horse, that distance range or even the timing, and they've been prepped for other races. So I think, yeah, I think it's a smart idea. I, I really think Simon Miller and that have made a good call with Amelia's Jewel. I think the cops play suits it. And I think in Paratrees, yeah, I think they were pretty smart. They've just ruled it out straight away. I, I don't think it'll go to the Everest. I, I think I'd give it a 1% chance of going to the Everest. All the chat is going to the Manicato and the and the sprint on the last day. So I think, you know, you've got to stick to that. Uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. I think you're right with Imperatrice. She's a 1% chance. And, um, yeah, they're all individuals. Like, um, yeah, well, look, it's the owner's decision. That's where it lies in the, in the end, and you can't argue with it. And, uh, yeah, I, I've got no issue with uh, your call or your statements. Beautiful. The, um, the only, the, sorry guys, the only second thing I had I was just for Mark Hunter. Um, the morning to meeting on Grand Final Day. Um, I think it, you think we need to scrap it. I'm a massive AFL fan, and, and I had a I had a friend of mine even say to me, I think they just need to scrap that racing on that day and just have it as the uh, you know, the AFL only. What would you think of that? Well, the other idea I threw up was start them at 10 o'clock. Have the first race at yeah. 10 o'clock. They finish, they finish by two. They can do the whole day, deck the whole day out. They can still have Sydney racing on the big screen. They can sell it as a you know an entertainment day down there at Mornington. Participants can still go to the football if they want. It, it's, a, it's a complete non-event. Once the game starts at 2.30, nobody watches the races down here. At, even, even Sydney racing, which is a great meeting, all eyes are focused on the grand final, so I think they have to do something with it. The meeting is, I think, completely lost at the moment. There you go, Maka. Thanks very much for your call. Um, and in relation to uh, some more text, and by the way, the lines are open, 13.53.53. Yesterday we saw, obviously, um, a horse uh, which we have seen in Brisbane over the carnival, um, and Tino win there at Sandown yesterday. Just your opinion on the performance, Mark? Antino was entitled to win, and I thought the race changed when Golden Path decided to lead here to shock. So that, and they went along, and here to shock dished it up to uh, Golden Path at sort of the 500, and that really set the race up for Antino. I thought, given the run it had, I thought it might have won easier. It did have uh, two and a half kilos more than here to shock, who's a good horse. Look, I, I probably expected to win it to win a bit easier, given that Golden Path had made here to shock's job much tougher. So maybe a little bit underwhelmed by the win, but we'll keep improving, and but we'll need to to uh, obviously measure up to its next start. Okay, all right. So there we go. Uh, we've got maybe another caller on the line, James. Very very soon. He's just talking to uh, Mario, uh, Chris. Just in relation to uh, light infantry, you're out uh, at Canterbury this morning. So from a King Charles perspective, it's going to be one of our international runners. How many other internationals do you think we'll have out there? Yeah, well, we got back a row and. Um... Joseph O'Brien, they, they just went out and had a scratch of their legs on the track. There's no work, real work being done. They only got off the plane a couple of days ago. And as you know, when you have a long flight, you need to just get out, have a walk and things like that. So that's what they were basically doing today, um, enjoying our great Sydney weather. I think that might be a bit of a, uh, a blow to them, these 30 degree heats that have been in there in for the last couple of days. But the boxes out there are fantastic. Hugh Bowman comes to ride Buckaroo for Joseph O'Brien. That was that was the big news to come out of this morning there. Zach Purding, of course, on light, light infantry. So we're getting getting the Hong Kong jockeys out here for Everest Day, and um, it's just it's it's just what Racing New South Wales has done by putting this um, King Charles on the day. It just adds another 
another layer to the day, and I think it actually needed another race to 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 really go to the next level. And I think they've got it exactly right with this race. Like the Kosciuszko, and that's a great great race. But having the best milers in the country going over the most iconic mile track in Australia is is just added will add so much to the day and. Uh, I can't wait for two weeks' time and see what see these horses. All right, James on the line. Good morning, James. Yeah, okay. Uh, look, I'm a big fan of the um, big race day on the Saturday on uh, the grand final weekend. Um, I, I was wondering um, if they could jazz up Epsom Day a bit. I know it's a great day, and I've gone there myself prior to um, going to the grand final on the Sunday. But, um, like, I noticed Mooney Valley had some Aussie Rules stuff happening on the Friday night. I can't see why Ranwick wouldn't have a bit of a like a NRL themed race or something dedicated on that day because there's a lot of people obviously coming in for the grand final on Sunday, so they make a big weekend of it. And I just think that might be a marketing opportunity um, to a great weekend, Ranwick, and then the NRL grand final on the Sunday. I do know, James, that if you had an NRL grand final ticket. Yeah, you yeah, got free I've, entry. I've, yeah, yeah, I've enjoyed that myself. I, I've I've done that uh, a couple of years ago, but I just think if they do something, just like have a race dedicated, maybe with some um, NRL club colours on each of the jockeys' silks or something, or well, I don't know, but something that would relate to the um, NRL Grand Final because it's on in Sydney every every you know every Epsom weekend, um, I just think it might um, add to the marketing of that day as well. Okay. All right. Interesting point. Thank you, James. We've got uh, Simon on the line as well. Uh, Simon, I think, wants to talk about uh, the Epsom, and I believe he is there now. G'day, Simon. Yeah, how you going? Good, mate. What's your question of the team? Um, I'd just like a bit of clarification on this all-in betting. Like... um, I've had 10 weeks play on Waterford, and then I put a little spec on um, Palmetto on Duff's advice in an all-in. Palmetto didn't get a start. Waterford was scratched, and I can't get any money back. What's the go with that when Duff said it's a free hit? Well, I don't know if Duff said a free hit. So, obviously, uh, all-in betting is exactly that, all-in. And if your horse is scratched at the gates or doesn't, you know, uh, accept in the final field, it uh, is obviously, you know, there's no refund of the bet. But if there's pre-noms in a bracket beside, it's because there has been no nominations taken on that particular race. I think that's where I'm getting confused with the pre-noms. Yeah. 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 So pre-noms. So how much was how much was it? Ten. When next time you see Duff, he'll have ten for you. <laughs> so I'm just just go up to him with the race. Ten He's got plenty. See you, mate. See you, Simon. Um, what about the? What I saw. It was a J-Mac giving you the pies on social media. Well, uh, Duff. What was all that about? Well, I. I I was having a cheeky go at him on Thoroughbred Weekly a few weeks ago that he's now in the press working for Channel 7 and he's eating the pies in the pie, in the press room. Yeah. You know, and he won't be making the weight on anything. So he took offence to it and bought <laughs> me a plate pl- of plies in the other day. The pies, <laughs> fair dinkum. Uh, speaking of J-Mac, he was down in Melbourne on Sunday to have a bit of a gallop on Romantic Warrior. Uh, Chris, I know that you, um, you talked to James a fair bit, obviously. Uh, did he give you uh, any insight? Have you spoken to him since that particular gallop? I haven't spoken to him that since that gallop, but he's always raved about this horse. And to have it in Australia is a, a feather in the cap for Racing Victoria. And um, unfortunately, we didn't get to see Lucky Swainis come for an Everest. But um, it'll be very interesting to see how it, how it lines up against these horses. I know it's even money on the weekend and things like that, but. It's outside its jurisdiction. It's it, it's playing an away game, and um, if it can come out if it can come out and win, it, it it'll justify the rating. It's international rating. It's got and things like that. On that, it should be just winning. But we know when you when you go away from home, it's a lot harder to win. Just ask the American golfers. It's going to be a hard race to approach that one with him being even money. You're either hard in his corner or wanting to bet around him. It's a it's a tricky one. Any it's an interesting race, isn't it, Duff? Because yeah. the second favourite's also an international, so you're basically 
they're basically saying they're better than our horses. I think Mr. Pinko's absolutely flying. So do I. Mm. I think uh, I know he's one of yours. But I've, I've had something on him already, and fifteen dollars in the race, and I think he's he. Oh, Duff's he, just he, teared he, up the ticket now. Going on, jeez. <laughs> no, I um, yeah, I, I was think he's. I see he's nominated for Sydney as well, but you'd think he'd run there. Yeah, with the. I think he's at Macedon. I think he's one of the horses at Macedon. So um, that Chris has got there. So there's a few of them at Macedon. They seem to be um, uh, I know Chris is very happy with being able to train them in that in that um, environment. So um, I, I would think the way the race is, the way the special conditions on the race, he gets on very well. I think it's 55 or 50, 54 and a half or something So um, from memory. So he's, he's well in that race. And I don't know whether Princess Grace is nominated for it. She, she's also going really well. Mark, what, how are you going to approach him, uh, Romantic Warrior? Not sure, Duff. Look, his first, first um, time our way of going, he, things haven't gone swimmingly since he left his home turf, his first time over here. Him and West Wind Blows will both go forward, sit up on the speed. They've got a, a similar sort of racing style. And, you know, Ossipenko, Sulcum are the two obvious dangers behind them. I, I'm a bit with Chris. I think I'll be in Ossipenko's corner each way. You know what you'll get. It's had that beautiful last run and ready for the trip and just going to be parked on these horses if they're... West Wind Blows had a pretty busy campaign. And... Um, you know, romantic warrior has not everything's gone perfectly. So, I at an early look, I'll probably be in Osipenko's corner each way there. All right, Sean. Smells the like line. a target oh, race, doesn't it? It smells like yeah, a target the, race for Osipenko. Yeah, the next two are his targets, and you knew all along that um, he wasn't going to peak to about this weekend. Do we know who? Do we know who rides Osipenko? I've got uh, a feeling it's Dee Oliver, is it? Yeah, I think that Dee Oliver. I saw Dee Oliver's name next to him in a in a likely field there. Earlier in the week. Okay. Do we know what uh, a couple of the Melbourne jockeys uh, are riding, Mark? Like a, a Zara, a D Lane in this race? I would imagine Zara's sticking with Gold Trip. He rode that first. Yeah. Couple of I couldn't see why he'd be jumping off. Even though it's probably not the race for it, I couldn't see why he'd be jumping off that. Uh, and I'm not sure what D Lane is on. Good frosty, no. Yeah, it was a good run, wasn't it? The Valley Gold Trip. No, I think I asked because obviously Zara um, did ride Ozapenko. Well, his last two starts in the Memsey and obviously the Maccabi Diva, um, especially last start there in the Maccabi. Uh, Sean's on the line. G'day, Sean. Good, how are you, buddy? Good, mate. What's your question? I just had a quick question for Mark. Is, is Jigsaw going to resume this, this weekend? Sorry, I missed that one. Just saying, uh, is Jigsaw going to resume, resume this weekend? I think Jigsaw is running against Star Patrol in the Gilgai in what looks... Uh, I, you know, I'm not up to date with Jigsaw's trials. I haven't watched them yet, but... The race it looks like it falls right away. You've got Saint Magique and Star Patrol would stand out on, on the nomination so far. So Jigsaw would have to be competitive in a race like that. Right, I'm on. All good. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got uh, Mark as well, also on the line. Uh, g'day, Mark. G'day, Dave. G'day, boys. How are we? Very good, mate. Uh, what um, what's on your mind? Uh, my mind is to ask Mark kind of a question about the party. And my question is, it is a bit of a hindsight, it's not going to happen, but are you surprised that the party wasn't pushing to go to a race like the Everest, considering that he, he's a very strong 1,400-metre horse, he runs time, no weight, and when you're thinking about the three-year-olds that have been talked about, other than Cylinder, like Osmosis and, and other ones, I'm just surprised that he... They didn't train him as they got closer to this race to think, hey, why go to the Caulfield Guineas against militarised and a Cox Plate where, can he run 2,000 metres? But in the Everest, with the speed on all the way, and if he drew a reasonable barrier, he'd be just behind him. And I would have thought he had a really, really good chance of, because of previous uh, three-year-olds, the way they run. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think he's the sort of horse you can train him for anything. He's, got a, you know, he's a beautiful horse. He sprints well. They've got him out in trip. And he's looking strong through the line. I can't see why he won't run a mile in the guineas. Maybe Paul Pushka's a type of trainer that sort of tends to want to get them over ground. So maybe that maybe that's one reason why he's gone out further. But 100%, not certainly not a stupid idea. If you set that horse for an Everest, he would run well. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. Thank you very much for your call, Mark. All right, uh, we've got a couple of other texts on the text line. So on Saturday, uh, we've obviously got the Dane Hill Stakes, we've got the Superimposed, the Manifold, the Turnbull, as we mentioned as well, the Gilgai, uh, the Paris Lane Stakes, 
Uh, what else? The Bart Cummings as well. All those markets are open as we speak. And take note, as we mentioned before, those markets that are open for Saturday are all all in markets because we've taken nominations for them. The Niverson's open there. We've got the Tap Craig in Sydney, the Roman Consul. We've also got the Allen Brown Stakes. Uh, we've got as well the Hill Stakes as well, which is all in. So... Just some of the betting moves in some of these races already. So Romantic Warriors been even money and solid there. Uh, West Wind Blows has been $8 into $6 for the Turnbull. The Dane Hill Stakes, your favourite currently is I Am Unstoppable. It's been four fifty into $3 all in. The Hill Stakes in Sydney, we've got Montefilia, a $4 favourite, but the two that have been supported, Hoye Mal, which has been 6 into four fifty, and Dewis, which has been 15 into a $6 price. That's in the Hill Stakes. Uh, in the Niverson, you've got uh, Paracel, four fifty into two eighty favourite. And Magic Time has been 15 into four fifty for the Niverson for Graham Begg. In the Gilguy Star Patroller's favourite, four fifty to two fifty. Uh, and you've got Sest, uh, Sest Magic Q is $8 into four fifty. The Bart Cummings, the first immortal or first immortal, is a three fifty favourite, biggest firmer there, and it was backed yesterday. Um, uh, Athapakison, I think that's how you say it, the O'Shea horse, which won in Sydney, the OTI horse, the other day. It's been $11 into $5. So you'd think it's definitely going to Melbourne. I think there's been some strong money around for it. And the Tap Craig, the little pumper, he told me four fifty into three fifty, uh, and there's also been some money in the Roman console uh, for Osmosis, which has been two eighty even money and Celestial Legend six into four fifty. So, um, any news which you know about leading into Saturday, Chris? Of course, we've got the Alan Brown Stakes, which obviously Waterford's a, a four fifty favourite there. Oh, the Baskin James McDonald um, been a target race to get into the Melbourne Cup, so. Um, no surprise, they put up $11 and it was quickly snapped up with James being down there, riding for John John in that race. Uh, a lot of these horses, that, this is one of the beauties of the carnival now, that we we get to see like horses like Hoogemal and um, Waterford, they they were both looking at the Epson, but there's a, there was better options for them. The 1400, Chris decided that that was the way to go with Waterford when it drew wide in the Epson and... and Hoogemail was going to be, they were going to try and keep it a mile, but it's just looking for 9,800. So uh, a Derby runner up, it, it gets its chance in a Hill Stakes worth $2 million. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big lure to keep horses in Sydney, isn't it? It is. We've got Bill on the line. G'day, Bill. Yeah, g'day. How are you doing, David? Good, mate. Good, good. I just wondered, what's the, uh, what's the story on the Saturday morning um, race program? Who decided there's no necessity to broadcast sponsor names? Uh, in regards to? Well, Luke Marlowe's program, for instance, he never, ever uh, includes a sponsor unless it's TAB. He simply said it's such and such a stakes or such and such and whatever. Well, I don't think that's been a directive. I think that's just Luke. Would you like him to include the sponsors, Bill? Well, I think you... Well, you don't need sponsors in racing anymore. I thought they were a necessity. Are you a sponsor? No. You're just wanting to know what, what the names are sponsored yeah. by? Yeah, I mean, we hear, we listen to country radio, uh, country racing and uh, we get Tom's Butchery. Tom's a very good sponsor for so-and-so and so-and-so. Uh, but down in Sydney, you get uh, race number two, race number three, race number four on a Saturday morning. OK, I can pass that feedback on to Luke. Is there anything else? No, that's it. No, 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 no. Just, just wonder why. I thought it was a directive from the TOB or something. No, no, no. I think... No, there's no directive from anybody. Uh, there will be... Unless it was a... Um, Unless it's a, like a, depends if it's something that, uh, I mean, there was an issue where there was a race named by a club about a, a certain person and that, and that race name was changed. That was a few months ago. There was an issue there. No, but, no, no, um, no, no, no. No, I don't every, think there's every, any... Saturday, every Saturday morning. If you're watching TAB, you can see the sponsor's name up on the screen. But if you're listening to radio, there's no idea who's sponsoring that particular race. There you go. And sponsors must pay a lot of money. I'll no doubt. Pa- I'll pa- that on. I'll pass it on to Luke. Thank you very much, Bill. Bill there. I didn't think I was going to get a sponsor's call. Fix Duff. it, you know. Yeah, Duff. Fix Fair dinkum. Yeah. Fix it, you? You're on that program, yeah. Duff. I, well, I, I, You'll have I, to start I, mentioning I, I, it. 
you blokes are in charge. You, you're running the I show. I know, I know. Uh, what have we got? The Colgate... Mate, can, you, oh, hey, can, you, can, you, can you just get your apprentice to do it properly? You know, you, you get it there and he doesn't. Oh, geez, he was in the horrors yesterday, wasn't he, uh, with that uh, victory to the Panthers. Uh, Did he get his co-tard away, uh, to- a car towed away the other day? Did he get his car yeah, towed? Said, yeah, he got his car towed. He got his car towed at um, because he parked in the wrong spot. I didn't. I, I didn't know that. Did he fear to him in his car towed? Oh, I might have given him up there. I only heard a whisper. That's all. No, well, that that could be that could be fair dinkum male. So honestly, he said his car towed. He could make his weekend after his Broncos got beat. Oh, dear. He's cartoed away. Dear, oh, dear. <laughs> and he can't read out the sponsors' names. Oh, um, he's had a shocker. What uh, What do we like in some of these? Uh, well, what do we like from the weekend for our horses to follow to put in the black book, Chris? And uh, Duff and Mark, we'll start with you, Duff. Uh, look, just Captain Obvious for me. The um, Altivo, was, he just lacked a hard run coming into that after being held up first up, so he's ready to fire third up. Kovalika's obvious, and uh, Airman's obvious. Yeah, the last, he's a really nice horse. What about yourself, Mark? Yeah, I think Airman, look forward to him. Seen him down the straight before. I don't know where they're headed with him, but I'll be following him when he comes down. A couple, a couple from left field in Melbourne, I thought that, in the Amelia's Jewel Race, I thought Steinem was a big improver. The race was just not run to suit a horse from the back. Uh, Steinem had run last first up. I thought he'd improved a lot second up, so it's just about ready to fire. And one from Sunday at Sandown. This horse was 200 to 1. It was first up Port Phillip. It's had three wide in the Ain't No Deal Done race. I was entitled to drop right out, but held its ground well. Julia Sandu gets them hard and fit. Hold and be shocked to see it jump straight to 2,400 metres and we'll get a result out of it. So Steinem and Port Phillip from left field down here. And what about yourself, Chris? Um, with the caller earlier, Ravello, with you guys earlier, Ravello, I thought it was um, it did enough from back in the field. I think about 1,600-metre race where they run really hard. It's often not the horses that finish on the speed that come through at 2,000 metres, and the preparation looks on course for it for a spring champion and a derby. Airman, obvious, and I think Democracy Manifest will, will win, a, win a Group 1 handicap eventually. It just, uh, it just needs a little bit of luck. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Appreciate it today, mate. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. And uh, thank you to Duff and Chris Roots. Uh, boys, we'll catch you next Monday uh, when we'll be obviously reviewing the Hill Stakes Day in Sydney and also Turnbull Day there in Melbourne. See you, guys. See you, mate.